0: Have you ever found yourself thinking, what's wrong with everyone today, this week, or this month? But after the issues persist, I know I have to take a good long look in the mirror because any good leader knows that the organization follows the flow of its leader. So what do you do when you realize the problem is you? Welcome to Life and Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services, a nonprofit that provides housing, help, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO, How I Went from Feeling Rejected to Raising Millions. I've led through a variety of organizational issues while raising over $50 million to fight poverty and learning a lot in the process. I created this podcast to share those lessons and help you to successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. First of all, I'm so happy to be back. I am excited to talk to you guys today about what do you do when you realize that the problem is you. So let's get into it. So have you ever pondered why things have been feeling off at the office? Have you felt like you were out of rhythm and you felt like maybe your team wasn't as productive as it could be or should be? Have you wondered what the problem is? Did you ask others and ask yourself only to realize that the problem is you? Listen, it's real talk that attitude and culture reflect leadership. When I'm off my game for an extended period of time, no matter what the reason, I begin to see signs of it in the attitude and performance of my staff. I see more errors. I see miscommunication. I see missed deadlines. I see more irritation and impatience. I feel more tension and stress. And so I begin to ask myself things like, what's wrong with everybody this week? Or what's wrong with everybody this month? But after the issue persists, I know that I have to take a long look in the mirror because any good leader knows that the organization follows the flow of its leader. This is what happened to me not too long ago. I kept noticing little errors or issues emerging week after week in routine assignments. Now listen, I don't mind reviewing multiple drafts of new projects or initiatives, But when we're implementing a reoccurring event or a regular task, and then I see that those tasks or elements are missed or neglected, it's especially frustrating for me. And no matter how I try to hide it, my team feels that frustration and it creates tension and tension stifles creativity, innovation, and the freedom needed to execute with ease and excellence. You know, I found that discipline and freedom go hand in hand. Discipline is most productive when those exercising it do so out of their own free will versus out of fear. Discipline exercised out of free will is technically sound, but it's also fluid. Discipline exercised out of free will is courageous enough to take a calculated risk in the right situation. But discipline that's produced out of fear or of their failure of punishment often makes a person too tense to execute tasks with ease or so risk averse that they miss big opportunities because they're hesitant to make bold moves. Being the change maker that I am, I need to lead a team that is innovative and that takes initiative and that's highly motivated to make strategic shifts that improve our results year after year. Our team at Interfaith has done that for the most part. Every year that I've been here, we've made significant improvements in some major area from client outcomes to facility improvements to development initiatives. Now, we've had setbacks like everyone else. We've had unexpected occurrences along the way. But by God's grace and his guidance, we've always managed to transform setbacks into a catalyst for growth when this is not the case. Or it doesn't look like it's going to be the case, I have to take a long look in the mirror to see what adjustments I need to make to get things back on track. So, today I'm going to share those adjustments with you, especially the adjustments that I really just took to recover and reset myself and my team when I realized that the problem was me. Okay, so like I just told you, I realized. Um, just a few months ago that things were off and I was beginning to see it and sense it in my organization. And as, to give you a little background, um, you know, this has been kind of a challenging year for me and that I lost my mother in March. And I really have had obviously waves of grief during that period that have affected me emotionally and, and kind of affected me at work. We, you know, had a lot of challenges this year that thankfully we've overcome, but they were challenges nonetheless. And I don't know if you hear my stomach growling, (laughs) but anyway, we had challenges um, that were financial in nature here at Interfaith. Thankfully, you know, we ended the year with a surplus, but, you know, we started out the year thinking that we would end with a deficit. We had a lot of key staff transitions. So when you add financial stress to key staff transitions to personal grief, those things can obviously throw you off. And they definitely threw me off. So when I started seeing things that don't normally occur with regularity, like missed deadlines or staff issues and absences or staff not getting along... I had to take a good hard look in the mirror and say, you know, maybe what's going on with me and, and how it's affecting my leadership is affecting the organization as well. And so when you add in bringing in new staff members into the mix and new personalities, there's just a whole lot going on at once. So I looked at myself and thought, I need to acknowledge that I'm not leading with the best version of myself at this point. And that if I don't make some adjustments, things can get out of hand in a way that'll make it difficult to turn around. So I did some things to help get me and the organization back on track enough to end the year with a budget surplus, a significant budget surplus, in the year with the best client outcomes in interfaith history while simultaneously serving the most clients in our history. So we got back on track, but there were some things that needed to happen to get us there. So let me talk you through those four things. So thing number one was first, I got some real rest. So when I'm stressed out and mentally drained or physically tired, I become less patient, less careful with my words, and less strategic. I am more impulsive and less thoughtful when I'm tired. I often lack the clarity needed to evaluate the situation without emotional influences that can interfere with my ability to see things clearly. So before I can do anything, I need to unplug and get some real rest. In this particular instance, I took a long three-day weekend and spent one of those days at the spa. I did my best not to answer emails or give work issues more than a fleeting thought. I binge-watched TV. I shared a meal with some good friends. I went to the movies with my husband. And by the fourth day, I blocked out time to really evaluate the last several months. I asked myself, when did things get off track? What contributed to it? And how could I have done things differently? And finally, I asked, what do I need to do now? From there, I found out some things that seemed unique to the situation at the time, but it may be relevant to yours. So what did I do? There were three things after getting some rest that I did. The first one was to reiterate the vision. I realized it had been a while since I talked about the vision for the organization in context of our history and our dream for the future. Not only did my team need this, but I needed it. I needed to walk down memory lane and remember why I said yes to the role in the first place. I needed to remember the goals that I had on the onset and the way that God came through. I needed to remind myself that I'm currently walking and working in an answered prayer. I needed to remember that I do what I do to empower others to transform their crisis into a catalyst for real change and long-term success. I had to remember that we have a history of doing this and that our results are among the best in the industry. I needed to remind myself that I do what I do the way I do it, to be an example of excellence and to create an environment that reminds others of their worth and their value in the process. By reminding my team, many of whom were new, I reminded myself of the purpose and the power of our work. So that was the starting point. Sharing, number one, how did we get here? What have we accomplished in the past? And what are we looking to accomplish in the future? I had to remind myself and my team this is why we do the work. And this is why we do the work the way we do it. So, secondly, I had to reestablish the standards. Once I re- reiterated the vision, it was time to reestablish the standards. I reminded myself and everyone else of our standards for excellence. I emphasized the discipline that it takes to ensure that our clients are served, our donors are appreciated, and our volunteers are supported on a regular basis. I revisited policies and processes that we have in place, and I made an honest assessment of which ones we were following and which ones we had allowed to fall by the wayside. I owned those that had fallen through the cracks, and I informed my team that moving forward, there would be consequences for doing so. Typically, things fall through the cracks because of the lack of follow-up and the lack of accountability. So I had to recommit myself to establishing systems that would allow me to be more present and regularly observe key processes, policies, and programs. I asked myself, why was I missing things like client graduation ceremonies only to realize that they just weren't on my calendar? So I sat down and made sure they were on my calendar. I asked myself, how do I know how our volunteers are doing? When was the last time I sat down and talked to them? When was the last time we hosted an appreciation event for volunteers? Then I realized it was before COVID. Me asking myself key questions and making sure that Things changed in my reporting systems, my calendar, and my plan of work made a big difference. I would actually spent the last two years really just surviving since COVID, you know, from an organizational standpoint. And so I realized now it was time to put back in some regular processes and systems to make sure that our key stakeholders, our key constituents, those that support our work, number one, know how important they are to us and how valuable their support is to us. So I reestablished standards of number one, excellence, but also standards that ensure that I'm following up and I'm reviewing important aspects of our program on a consistent basis. Then the next thing that I did was I restructured my team. After revisiting our priorities, I had to make adjustments to my team and their responsibilities to ensure that our key priorities are managed by the members of the team that are most responsible and effective. I removed and reassigned other aspects of their work to staff persons who could better manage them. But when it comes to like our key processes, the things that are most important, I made sure that I put my best talent on the biggest priorities. I also took a look at the distribution of duties and found that there were things that were not quite equal in some areas. Some staff members had too much to do, while others didn't have enough to warrant their full-time schedule or their talent. I was surprised to find out that some were privately struggling while others were quietly succeeding by regularly exceeding their expectations. Now I have plans to take a deep dive into each department once per quarter. And what I mean by that, I'm not looking at every department once per quarter, but once per quarter, I'm going to have a feature department that I'm taking a deep dive into I'll sit in on their meetings, I'll talk to their key constituents, I'll review some of their reports, just to make sure that I have a handle on what they're doing and how they're working and and those types of things. So in short, I'm increasing my internal engagement. I also reviewed our new employee orientation and made sure our departmental standard operating procedures were either updated or scheduled to be updated. Finally, I... Also, restructured my personal support team. I went back to therapy to help manage my stress and grief. I hired a fitness coach to get my health back on track. And I resumed my quarterly long weekends that usually include a hotel stay and a spa visit to recharge, reevaluate, and reset. Now, listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. So just because you discover Something needs to change today doesn't mean that it has to be addressed today. Make a plan and pace yourself, because that's what I did. Even after I noticed all these things, I realized I couldn't address them all at once, so I made a plan to do so. I've been working that plan ever since, and it's been working out. As we are preparing to close out this calendar year, this is the perfect time to Follow those steps. And even if you're having a good year, you can have a better one if you take the time to do those four things I just discussed. So finally, as we end today's podcast, I want to end, as I normally do, with a word of support. So here's the deal. It's easy to get off track. It's easy to lose sight of the big picture when you're up to your neck in all of the daily details. It's easy to allow stress to become tension, tension to become impatience, impatience to become impulsiveness, and impulsiveness to become bad decisions, and then bad decisions to become regret. Before you know it, you've drifted off course. You find it hard to find your motivation, let alone your magic. Well, listen, it hasn't gone. It has just gotten buried under a stack of distractions, discouragement, and doubt. But you can find it again with rest, reflection, repentance, and a reset. In other words, quiet the noise. Take an honest look at your situation. Own your mistakes and make the necessary corrections. You can rebound from this stronger than ever. But you've got to stop what you're doing and be willing to begin again. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you allow us to have mistakes and you have mercy for those mistakes. You give us mercy and grace to cover us when we're struggling you see our humanity, even when those that we're leading and even sometimes are the people on our board don't quite see it or maybe don't even have the grace for it. You do. And you cover us. You protect us. You sustain us. You provide for us. I thank you that our success is not based on our perfection and that your love is not based on our performance. But Father God, you are committed to us because you called us. And you who began a good work will complete it. And so, Father God, we rest in that. We thank you for every lesson that we're having through the losses and the issues that we face. And we believe and we declare that we'll come out stronger than ever. So we thank you for that. And I pray for each and every listener that may be struggling or having a hard time. First, let them know that they're loved. Next, let them know that they're supported and finally provide what they need to be able to forgive themselves and move forward. So we thank you now in Jesus name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Today's tips can be found on my website, KimWConsulting.com just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events and subscribe to my monthly life and leadership newsletter. If you found this podcast helpful, please share, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely.